All right, here we are with uh, Zach Ives. Uh, hey, Josh. <laughs> how you doing today, Zach? I'm good, man. What did, let's start off, what did you do? What? How, how did your day start today? Oh. Uh, well, we did, um, I, I actually got got some sleep last night. We had an earlier show at the Brooks Museum, um, mm -hmm. True Sons of Thunder and uh, Weather Warlock, Quintron's kind of drone improv free jazz kraut rock yeah it's like thing um we did an outdoor show of that um that we presented um but it got got done kind of early it got had been a, a later night the night before um for another show that we had so yeah i actually got some sleep and got up uh, fairly early and got into the shop and um we've been trying to clear out the backlog of uh of records that we've been putting aside and yeah. not getting up on the car and everything. So yeah, there's a big backlog of work to do uh, at the shop today that I've been trying to knock out. Knock out, yeah. Um, so uh, about the shop, Goner Records, um, I'm curious, like how long how long have you been doing that project? Um, I, Eric and I opened the record shop in February of 2004. Uh I moved back to town um, in in 2000. Um, moved back to Memphis in 2000. I'd gone to college here, um, and then moved to DC for like three years. Mm -hmm. And uh, and Eric and I uh, knew each other from back then. At that point, he was playing in the Oblivions, and he had started Goner Records um, before, you know, in, in about '93, and was doing did a did a fanzine originally called Wipeout mm -hmm. and. Was, did this label just kind of out of his closet and yeah. he had a website that the wipeout turned into kind of a website uh, that had a you know a, a forum on it and kind of before those things became something that people did and, and it was attracted kind of a group of like-minded weirdos that were all kind of into this same kind of music but it was you know fairly international and mm -hmm. um, and so uh, when I moved back in 2000, we kind of were keeping an eye out for, you know, something that we might be able to do together, some kind of project. And Greg Cartwright, uh, who was also in the Oblivions, had a record store in Cooper Young called Legba Records. Yeah. Uh, he had uh, had for, uh, for two or three years. And when he moved to North Carolina, it just it, the space was opening up. Mm -hmm. um, and we thought, yeah, you know, maybe we can do this. Maybe we can do a record um, shop and do the label as well. Um, and maybe between the two, it'll kind of um, work out as a as a business. Um, and uh, and you know, we were also thinking that we would be able to sell online because you know Eric still had this website. And so uh, and that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of, that was kind of the idea. We built some shelving and um, yeah, and got some records and started uh, a shop there. Yeah, and. Um it's you know I've been talking to a lot of people about Memphis and and uh, and what it's like kind of living here, sort of being from here, um, and I guess like a question I have for you, like being sort of a cultural like I don't know hub, um, how important is is place for what you do? Uh, it's an interesting question. I think it's vital. Yeah. To what we do. I mean, there's a reason, you know, we make shirts, but our shirts say Goner and it says Memphis, Tennessee underneath it. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of central to everything 
we do. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're a label, and uh, there's people ask me that a little bit more often. Is it hard to not do that in New York or in LA or um, even even Nashville, um, which has you know more of an industry left than than, than Memphis does? Yeah. Uh, and um, and I you know the answers always no. I mean, it's it's much better to have. I mean, we're, we're very insulated here. We don't have to worry about um, yeah. things that kind of get in the way. I think of you know putting out interesting records. We, we can kind of do things our way, and we don't have to worry about what other people are doing. Or mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that's a that's a it's a great thing. It, uh, there's a lot of kind of uh, freedom in that. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I don't, you know, that I don't think we would necessarily have if if uh, if we were in the middle of the, you know, the industry machine, in yeah. one of those uh, coasts. That's cool. Um, do you find, uh, like, how do you find talent, or does it does it find you? Yeah, I mean, I, th I, I you know, I I guess that was that leads into uh, the second half of that answer with Memphis is just that I think Memphis is the greatest place, and you know, I think. Both Eric and I are transplants, but long-term transplants at this point. And mm -hmm. um, you know, Mem Memphis is—it's uh, a great place to be doing music stuff, just because culturally and historically, it's uh, so full of um, great things that have kind of started here, or um, and and a lot of time crashed and burned here, and uh, you know. Um, you know, there's just it, to, to me. There's you've got that, you've got that kind of every all around here, and 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 then the people that have done interesting things here have always been kind of you know weirdos and um, very independent-minded, renegade sort of people. To mm -hmm. you know, they're not they're not doing it for anything other than you know that they thought they might be able to do it. So you know, Sam Phillips and Dewey Phillips and um, you know the the stacks um, crew the, the initial stacks crew and yeah. um, Packy Axton and you know Marquis and you know I mean there's, there's this town's full of stories of you know guys doing things their own way and, yeah um, so yeah, using that as kind of a backdrop I, I think that that it's great to have that all kind of here in your hometown mm -hmm. um, especially because it brings people here you know I mean people come to Memphis uh, to to kind of learn about all uh, or to explore um, you know music all the time and um, and that you know that helps it's uh, it's 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 kind of a beacon you know um, yeah. in that way and uh, and I think that feeds off of I mean, there's an energy here with with just the people you know being very kind of creative and working class and yeah. you know just and, and then, you know, just kind of having that kind of creative freedom. I, I think that it, it comes out in, in real kind of cool ways. Yeah. Did you think, I'm curious, um, has music always been sort of like a, a focal point in your life? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, and it's also how I learned about um I mean, I, yeah, I think I think I've always been interested in music. I, you know, I, I wanted the I'm going way back. Like my folks told said that they could just put me in front of a speaker and turn music on, and I would just sit there. I wouldn't I wouldn't go anywhere. Yeah. And 
Um, but yeah, I mean, once I got once I got uh, a little bit older and started realizing there were kind of different, um, there were different things, um, different kinds of uh, um, different things to explore. Like that's what kind of really got me hooked on things. It was finding um, new things that that were just new to me. I mean, not that I was, um, but and being in, from Oklahoma, that wasn't real easy to wasn't really easy to do. There weren't yeah. any college radio um, stations, but there was a, a real cool um, record store called Rainbow Records in, in downtown Oklahoma City. And, um, you know, I already kind of thought that I knew something about I mean, I was listening to weirder stuff in, in, in junior high and high school than most people yeah. at my school, but uh, it was still kind of top-of-the-line alternative kind of things. And going into... Uh, Checking out the alternative section at a, a true independent record store, you know, yeah. in the um, in the late eighties, um, <laughs> you know, it, it was an entire section of stuff I had no clue, I'd never heard about, um, and uh, and so that was really freeing. It's like all of a sudden you had you could ask people questions about that. You had to look stuff up in zines, um, and you, you you scanned liner notes for thank yous from bands to figure out how to get into something new. Um, and you know I love that, and that was part of what we, and I continued once I moved to Memphis, going to Shangri-La Records, which is where Eric worked at the time, and then our friend Andre Lyle after that. Um, but you know that uh, I learned music from those people. There were you know these kind of, these people that kind of taught me about stuff, and it, a lot of it came out of record stores. Um, even once I moved to DC, um, and and that's why we wanted to start. I mean, that was the idea behind Goner. Even though things are kind of changed now with music. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I, I think that it's there's still this great thing about being able to go into a record store and uh, and 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 figure out some new kind of tree to climb with mm -hmm. music and all the things that that can take you into, uh, and um, and so that was the idea behind the the shop. It was to put stuff in there that we liked that we could turn people onto and mm -hmm. and um, and. You know, and, and we weren't stocking things just because we thought we could sell them. Yeah. We were stocking things because we thought if we turn this on to somebody, you know, if we put this on in the shop, you know, it, it can sell itself. There's yeah. a good story behind it. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's super cool. I was uh, talking with a young artist last night, you know, and she's kind of up and I mean, you know, she's mute, she's dedicated herself to music, you know, and um, it's really interesting. Like, you know, I'm kind of, I'm on the other side now, I think I'm, turned 40 recently and like it's it's fun to hear young people and the way, their attitudes about like how they want to make music you know and um i think for her it was just like well i want to <clears throat> i don't ever really necessarily want to sell it you know and i'm like oh yeah obviously that's awesome you know like she wants to do it for the right reasons you know and just wants to support her own thing you know her own tour or whatever and i think oh that's super cool you know it's like uh, you're not dependent upon sales to do it. You know, it's about the cultural equity. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think that, the, it, and that's weird, but you know, I think that there, I'm interested in hearing what people have to say about that too. You know, you, you, we're dealing with a whole generation um, mm -hmm. now that has never bought music. That it's yeah. always just, it's just there. You right. know, it's just there. It's streamable or file shareable or yeah, uh, you know. But everything is at your fingertips now, mm -hmm. and. Um, there's something great 
uh, about that. The, you know, the idea that it, it was really hard all the time to try and pull together enough money to be able to go down to the store and buy the record that you had read about or right. had heard about. And um, it wasn't always easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it just puts us in this whole different place. Rather than being... Um, now that everything is available and there is, I, I think it has devalued um, mm-hmm. what what is happening uh, or, or music in general, you know, to this point that we we're in kind of a real shitty situation with figuring out how to how to deal with streaming, how there is an economy that will will support artists yeah. uh, on on any level with that. But I think what it also does is it has to change your perspective. So for young people that are coming in at this point, they're like, all right, well, let's figure out a new way to do it. You yeah, know? Yeah. And I think for us, I, I, well, I, Eric and I were having a conversation about this actually um, yesterday. Uh, the, you know, the, the idea that, um, that you would start a record labeled with the expressed idea to sell records, that, that you know, my goal is to sell records and that that would be your uh, standard for whether or not you're successful in what you're doing was uh, that idea is, is this makes no sense to me. Yeah, you know, and while that may still be the the mainstream, the normal kind of viewpoint of what you're doing, I I, I have no concept of that. At the same yeah. time, you can't just put out whatever you want. Right. Or your your band, or you don't get a chance to do another one because you can't mm-hmm. sell it. Right. So it does have there's there's some in between point that you have to. Um, you have to kind of find to be able to make it work over kind of a longer period of time, but, um, uh, but yeah, yeah, I I think all of that is is kind of it's, it's interesting and it's weird and it's it's all changing. It's changing in really quick, on a on a, on a, on a very quickly right now too. You know, yeah. you, um, so uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see where it all um, shakes out. The good thing is that people are are kind of returning to vinyl a little bit mm-hmm. now. Um, and we see more new young people coming in, asking about where they can buy turntables and mm-hmm. um, interested in music. And I think that is one big thing that's come out of uh, everything being so disposable. You know, yeah. where you, your entire collection is on your phone. That's uh, convenient. Right. But, again, like, I think people are now um, realizing, oh, maybe it, it is nice to hold something in your hand. Actually. Oh, yeah. Look at this. Uh, t- to listen to a record rather than just as a, a track um, as an album and how mm-hmm. somebody envisioned it and um, yeah uh, that th- that whole tactile experience is more more of an experience well that's always too like going to the punk shows and stuff it's that's all it's always been about for me is just like yeah like being in it you know you can only get so much from a recording um, and so I think like uh, going to going to a show and like sort of being part of that that sort of space that gets created during that is very powerful. You know, it's a transformative thing. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and I've I, 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 I've been thinking about that a lot. I was I, I um, sat on a panel and told and you know it made me think about some of the reasons that there were kind of a music panel in town that and it was it. It's hard because you're not constantly thinking about why you do these things yeah. um, on a regular basis. I think I thought about it more when I was younger, but um, you know, I, I remembered this this the first time I did see a live show in a mm-hmm. small club where it was, and it was it was a feeling, it was an experience that 
you know, I think did honestly kind of change my life. It changed how I listen to music. It changed mm -hmm. uh, everything because it was a feeling. It was me and four other people watching a band that was going absolutely mm -hmm. bonkers, absolutely apeshit. And you felt the music. You felt what was going on from stage. It was, you know, and I had somebody tell me a, a, a long time ago um, that, you know, it, it, if you're thinking about what you're going to do tonight, you know, yeah, you could turn on the TV and watch a show. You could um, go and see a movie. Um, <clears throat> go see a movie for about the same thing you're going to pay to go and see, um, a, 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 like, a, a rock show or, like, a live music. Yeah. But that movie is going to play again mm -hmm. at 10 o'clock. It's going to play the next day at 12. It's never going to change. That show is... That that, that, that movie is the same. That show will, ne will never be the same. Yeah. That band could play the same songs all the way through. It will never be the same as that moment yeah. um, that that you got to go and see them. And you never know when it's going to be that transformative experience. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and you know that's one of those things that stuck with me. Um, and, and I and it's you know now kind of a uh, it it became a part of my life immediately when I heard it and. It's, I don't think that's ever changed. <laughs> it probably won't either. Yeah, I, don't think. I don't think so. Yeah. Because they still happen. I mean, yeah. it still happens. It's still, you know, it's, uh, uh, it happened on some level two nights ago. It, it, you know, it, it happened, uh, you know, two months ago. Uh, you know, it, it happens over and over again if yeah, you go yeah. out and, and do it. It's when just, was, well, you said two nights ago? What happened? What happened then? Um, I, yeah, it was, I, I, I I think something crazy happens at every show you're at. So, yeah. you know, last night it was, you know, it, it was the, the show I was talking about earlier, True Sons of Thunder, and mm -hmm. um, it was this Memphis band, Eric, my partner's in, but it, they've been around for a long time now, seven or eight years. They never really practiced much when they were doing it, uh, doing it regularly. It was always this cacophonous racket. They've got one guy that plays a band guitar. It's a atonal. You cannot tune it. Yeah. Um, and it, he's just, just this kind of noise maker. And this guy built that for him and his, his, uh, his amp. And so wow. it's all just built to make crazy noise. And you have, so he, that's what he plays. And it's, mm -hmm. it's amazing. So it's just, it's just a giant wall of sound. Yeah. Everything that they do is, is crazy. Halfway improvised. Wow. And, you know, the bassist moved to Kansas City, and so he's not able to get down here as much anymore, so they're playing even less. And they kind of picked up another guy to play in case there were other shows that showed up. They've only practiced once with him. Yeah. And Sam was going to come down already, so they had all these guys. That they just they were like, all right, play whatever you want. You know, yeah, you just, yeah. you know, get up there. So it, they packed all these people onto the stairs, and they're out in front of the museum. And they, you know, they just played this amazing show. And... Um, and that was the opening act. And then after that, you know, Quintron gets on, um, has created this uh, instrument. I don't know if you've talked to Quintron yet because he's been around um, for a couple of days. Or no, I haven't, haven't had a chance. So he's playing tonight, but he's he created this instrument called the Weather Warlock mm -hmm. that um, uses the uses sound um, of, of the weather. The weather changes its light capturing and sa sound and wind and... You takes all of those things in and makes it into this machine and creates this drone, weirdy drone kind of sound. And then he's put together different musicians in different towns on this tour. Yeah. So they've done three or four of these shows. 
Um, so in, in uh, they did did one in San Francisco at church um, with um, a couple of the guys from Carolina and one guy from Crash Normal, um, I believe. And uh, so it was you know kind of weird noise band guys, but also kind of free jazzy kind of thing. And it sounded like that was really amazing. Yeah. But the one here was. Uh, Scott Bomar, who's kind of um, uh, has a studio and was in a um, this great instrumental band called Impala, and um, now does stuff with the Bokeys, which is you know takes stacks and high uh, rhythm guys, and they've got more of a kind of a soul thing. He was playing an upright bass. Um, you had um, a uh, uh, Alicia Trout on keyboards, um, and you had Abe White on drums. So guy from a um, girl from that has done all kinds of stuff, indie um, uh, synth uh, kind of stuff, and uh, Abe White, who has is um, drummer, fronts a band called Manatees that is kind of like this doomy metal garage kind of <laughs> mixture thing. He was playing guitar, and um, he had a drummer from um, kind of like hard rock metal thing that was kind of holding everything together, and they did, and it was all completely improvised. Um, and uh, and yeah, it created this giant sound at sunset. So everybody's sitting there looking at this museum, mm-hmm. beautiful museum, and stairs up, and and then sunset is happening over the top. And there are pictures up on Instagram um, of this stuff. But the, the, this cloud just turned into like this pink, purple. I mean, it sounds like some kind of crazy acid trip. But yeah. literally, was happening. It all happened. Right in front of the, you know, whatever, 150 or 200 people that made it out for this thing. Wow. And it was completely crazy. Like, I've never seen anything like that before. I don't think I'll ever see anything like it again. And Q's done. I did this, did Weather Warlock at Gonerfest last year, this festival that we do, with different people. And it was great then, too, but it was completely different. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I love it when things like that can happen. It's, you know, two nights ago, it was, there was a band, uh, a Danish band in town called Ice Age. Oh, yeah. Um, that um, that was good, and um, a band from Texas called Institute, and then two Memphis bands, X Colt, who we've done a couple of records with, mm-hmm. um, uh, and their last record just came out on on uh, a twelve inch on Castle Face. They just finished a West Coast tour, yeah, and completely destroyed. Um, you know, it's playing sold out dates um, on the West Coast and came back home, yeah, and completely destroyed, kind of in between all these guys, and then this new young band from Memphis called Gimp Teeth, yeah. Um, that's kind of a noisy hardcore kind of thing too but yeah. uh, you know and they were great too it's the best I've seen those guys and um, <laughs> so you know I don't know it's, it's just great it's yeah. great to see Memphis bands up there with uh, you know and that's what I love about all of it it's, yeah. yeah it's fun yeah it seems like a mecca you know it really does uh, being from out of town and just like and staying here next door to the high tone, you know, I went, I went and like moshed around when X Cult was playing the other night, and it was great. Yeah. Like, I was like, thank you, I needed that, right. you know. And you just feel it, you know. Um, yeah, it's special. Um, and those guys, I, you know, the, I think the um, the Ice Age guys got in town in time to be able to go downtown and check out. Um, you know, they just want to go see Beale Street and yeah. um, Sun, and you know, I, I think they. And I think that's part of what's great about this, too. You know, I don't, I don't think they necessarily needed to come through Memphis. I think they wanted to come through Memphis. Yeah, they wanted um, to. Yeah. And, uh, well, it's a, do you, I know people keep telling me that Memphis is sort of a well-kept secret, you know. Um, 
in a way. Uh huh. I, I th- um, yeah, I think that's true. You know, I mean, I think um, there's lots of ways that you can come here and uh, lots of things to explore. And I think if you've got a good tour guide or you know a good person to yeah spin you through some of the um, cooler aspects of it, uh, you can sure have a good time. Yeah. So for you, how do you do you see yourself being here the rest of your your days or? Yeah, I don't see any reason to move. Yeah, I love it here. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool, absolutely, right on. All right, man. Well, I think that's that's probably good enough for now. Great. Um, appreciate you coming in and talking with us. Heck and yeah, man. It was fun. I'm glad you're here. Right on. Well, I'm glad to be here, and uh, we'll see you. We'll see you tonight, uh, Quintron. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. All right. Thanks. <laughs>